This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. We'll continue to talk a little baseball. We'll take you to the ballparks uh, also a little later this hour. We'll hear from uh, both of the local managers. We'll hear from Buckshaw Walter and we'll hear from Aaron Boone. But right now we're hearing from you. Like Mo in Brooklyn. Mo, you are next on 98.7. How you doing, Larry? Good evening. I'm doing What's great, going man. on? How are you? I'm doing amazing. Good. So you know what Met fans always used to, during the Wilpon years, always used to say that the Mets used to shop in the bargain basement and they would always get the guys on the cheap at the bottom of the free agent market. That's what Mets fans always used to say it's during true. the Wilpon years. That's my attitude as a Yankee fan with Brian Cashman at the trade deadline. Because he's so busy hoarding all his great prospects, he's only churned out one, Aaron Judge, in the last 10 years. He's busy hoarding all his great prospects. He doesn't want to go get Luis Castillo, the top pitcher on the market. He goes and sells for Frankie Montas, who's looking like the next Sonny Gray, that we're going to go get him instead of actually going getting the proven top-of-the-rotation commodity at the deadline because he's hoarding all his damn prospects. I've had enough of Cashman. It's as if these prospects are going to be the next core four. I guarantee you none of these guys are going to be a superstar. And, yeah, and the Yankee season is going to go to hell because you wouldn't get Luis Castillo at the deadline. Well, I'll say this, Mo, and and thanks for the phone call. Uh, It's true. Under the Wilpons, the Mets were shopping at the bargain basement. And once again, I don't know why they didn't get Castillo. I don't know what was the holdup. I don't know why they didn't. What they could have given up that they didn't give up. But you had to have him. With all due respect to Montas, and this is before he even came here, and he's not a bad pitcher. I'm not saying he's a bad pitcher. I'm just saying right now, the way it looks, he's no Castillo. And that's what you needed. You're going into the postseason. Understand this. And Gordon Damer, who's back from vacation next week, always says this. And he's right. For the schedule, for the season that you have had, for the Yankees, it's it's World Series championship or bust. And now, obviously... You know, things have changed a little bit, but you still are leading your division. You still have a pretty good lead. But it's really, you have to get to the World Series with the start that you've had. If you don't get to the World Series, it's a failed season. I don't care. There's there's no question. If you don't get there, it's a failed season. With all due respect to Aaron Boone, who may have another 100 game or more regular season wins. he's, He's won like 100 games twice already. And could do it again this year. All right? And then he's had some high 90s. So the problem has not been the regular season. The, the Yankees have found a way to win the regular season. Even when they've struggled, they've done well in the regular season. Enough to get to the postseason. But that's not good enough for this team this year. This year with the start you had, you were, 40, you were over 40 games over 500. I mean, we were talking about you breaking the, the Seattle record for wins in a season, regular season. You needed to lock up the top-of-the-line starter. And that was Luis Castillo. And you didn't get it done. And, okay, maybe you don't get Soto, all right? I understand you don't get Soto, but you had to get Castillo. You had to. 
get him. And I'm not saying that, okay, he helps you hit because he's a pitcher. I get it. But I don't see him, and this might be unfair, but from what I've seen of him, he's not giving up five, six runs. He's not giving up a five-run second inning before you guys get rolling. He's not doing it. He's not. He's too good. He's been too good. And once again, I, I'm, I haven't seen him. He may have had a bad inning once or two, once or twice because, listen, he's human. And even the great ones struggle. But I don't see him, I mean, I don't see him performing the way Montas has performed. I just don't. Mike's in Queens. What's up, Mike? Good evening, Larry. How are you? I'm okay, Mike. I'm okay. You know, before I get to my point, I got to say this was a good week. Do you have fun this week? Because I had fun this week. I know I, I, know I had fun. I know you participants had fun. Like old times, every day, you had fun. I had fun. Too bad. Next week, pfft, goes away. But uh, so let, let's go out with a bang. But it ended well because that's how you, it'll be. God knows how, how long before we can talk again. <laughs> and that's all the goodwill. I you still think, Mike, I think you Atlanta. should. Give, I, Mike, I really think you should give Gordon a chance. I really do. I really do. But go ahead. Talk I, to me about no, the Mets. I have enough clubbers in my life. I, I don't need to call and get aggravated. I get, I, get, I get aggravated all day long. Don't have to do it tonight. Uh, the Mets, all the yes. goodwill that they got from beating out of Atlanta, they poop it away. You, know, you lose two starters, you lose three or four, and, and, and the three games you gained last week, you give two back. You're right where you started. If you're the Mets, you have, you have to win the series. You got to put the throw on, 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 on the next because the Braves don't lose. Okay, newsflash, Mets, the Braves don't lose games. They have, like, what, the best record since June? And, yeah, the Mets have an, have an easy record. They only play six games against good teams in September. But the Braves aren't going to lose either. So you're back to neck and neck, and it's just all the momentum you have to lose it in four games, it's disheartening. It's like last week in Ghost, Ghost for Naught. And like the last thing, let's, let's end it up big, big ending. Let's go Islanders next month. Training camp, baby. All right, and hopefully they won't start on the road, Mike. Thanks for the phone call for 16 games. Maybe they'll have a chance to be a little better than they were last year. Maybe. Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. Um, Mike, I hear what you're saying, but as I said in the opening, Atlanta plays Houston this weekend. I think there's a chance that they might lose a couple of games. Andrew's in Long Beach. What's up, Andrew? Hi, I wanted to talk about Zach Wilson. It's a little go. bit deviation from the, the baseball. Yeah, go ahead. But ba yeah, basically, when you watch the film of that Buccaneers game, which I think was the second to last game of the season, you saw everything is the reason why they drafted him and all the highlights out of BYU, like with this arm talent and the ability to fit into tight windows. And then I watched before he gets injured, and it just seems like the awareness is completely gone. Like, at the end of the season, he wasn't turning the ball over. He's making the smart plays. And I think part of it is, is one, I think this is the pressure. And, two, as a guy that isn't typically a big, bolt-up guy, he put on a lot of muscle. So when that injury happened, he's not used to moving that kind of weight. It's, like, a little bit different. Everyone's like, oh, Russell Wilson's a smaller guy, but he's thick. But he's always been that way since he was at NC State or Wisconsin. I think that – some of the priorities in the offseason are a little messed up, and I'm a big concern because I'm a big guy for him because I love college football. And I want to just get your thoughts of where you think he's trending 
and if he even come back off this injury, he could end up being the franchise quarterback. So I see the talent there, but I just don't see the on-field awareness that I, where I would like it to be at. So uh, I agree with you, Andrew. Thanks for the phone call. You don't see it, and hopefully you will see it. And that's that's how you that's how that's all I can say to you. I'm not going to judge him totally, totally, on the preseason game. Okay, the first one. I'm not going to judge him totally on that. I can't. Uh, would I have preferred that, you know, he didn't throw the pick, obviously, because then, you know, it's a decision thing. And that's what you're concerned about is, is his decision making. Okay, is he going to make the right decisions? And he has to. That's, that's, that's the part of him improving. That's what leads to the throws that you saw against Tampa. That's what leads to you seeing the arm talent. That's what leads to you seeing the confidence and the chemistry building with his young receivers and the tight ends and the running game and all the other stuff. That's what that leads to. Okay. And so I know that you're not sure you're, you're wondering, you're waiting to see. Well, so are the jets, <laughs> Andrew. So is Robert Sala. Robert Sala is looking at that too. By the way, did you hear Robert Sala say there's a possibility that Zach Wilson could be back in time to start for Baltimore? Huh. We'll turn our attention to a little football next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. It's ESPN New York tonight here on 98.7 ESPN. Robert Sala also weighed in on... Does the offense change from Zach Wilson to Joe Flacco? Zach's capable of doing everything that, that Joe does. And uh, obviously, Zach's younger. He's, uh, no offense to Joe, he's a little more spry in the legs, so he can kind of run and scramble a little, with a little bit more efficiency. But that doesn't mean that Joe can't move. Um, so it's, it doesn't, having Joe in there doesn't limit anything that we, that we can do with Zach. All right, so that's interesting. Uh, Robert Tyler, let's talk about the wide receiver group. How are they doing so far? I love our group. It's uh, it's got a chance to be pretty cool. You know, there's a lot of speed in the group with Elijah and Garrett and uh, uh, Braxton and Jeff Smith and Denzel. It's oh, you bring in the size of Denzel and Corey, and uh, it, it's a it's a pretty cool group. And uh, it's it's just a matter of them just kind of piecing together and learning how to be efficient, learning how to play within the structure of the scheme. And and like you said, it's it's all about the moment, the moment of truth, the catch point, the. Uh, making those contested catches and, and finding ways to separate man coverage. And I, I thought today was a good day, especially in the red zone where everything is tighter and then you've got to go up and get it and you know you're going to get hit and you know the window's going to be tight. So um, it's a good group. It's got a chance to be really good and it's got a chance to make plays. And one of those young men says that his confidence in growing, that being Gary Wilson. I'm feeling very confident. You know, I, I just want to keep on stacking days, keep making sure I'm getting those reps and, and um, you know, getting on the right page with the quarterbacks, you know, so um, – it's a lot, you know, you can only do what you can with your reps and, and um, you try to take advantage of them. You know, I feel like every single one is magnified, you know, being a, being a young dude and you know, every single rep I'm out there, I want to make a play. But um, you know, I definitely feel like I'm getting more comfortable. Um, I'm not as nervous going in, you know, just stuff like that. So I'm feeling better for sure. Well, that's good. All right. And, and that's what you want your young players to go through that. You got to play. That's the bottom line. You have to play to get better. Speaking of getting better, hopefully the offensive line will improve. That's one of the mainstays and one of the big adjustments that the Jets have tried to make this year. Obviously, no Mekhi Becton for the season, so they signed Dwayne Brown, and Brown was asked to assess how the offensive line is. Lincoln Thompson is a very physical player. I got a chance to play with him in the Pro Bowl this past this past one, and that's my first time meeting him. And we built like a quick rapport, you know, so this works out perfectly. Uh, Bear Tuck as well is a young kid with a lot of ability. 
athletic, great hands. You know, um, it's just across the board, man. There's a lot of a, lot, a great mixture of youth and veteran guys that have uh, just a ton of ability. Being able to put it together, you know, the, the scheme we're in, it's all about continuity. You know what I mean? And, and everyone being together, you know, and I think we have a chance to be great. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Speaking of continuity, that's what Robert Sattler wants to see from his newly constructed O-line. With any group, for that matter, whether it's all the DBs working together, you want that continuity, but O-line especially, because um, you'd love to get them to a point where they're making nonverbal communication calls and where they can, they, they already know, they've been working together so much that they don't have to speak, they can just play, which is, which is always hard to go against because you can't get those pre-snap indicators. But uh, I think we have time. Like I said, Dwayne's been in the system, so he'll know how to communicate it. And um, and then George, obviously, last year. So there's there's still, it's not like we have any new faces because Lincoln's coming from the system, Dwayne's played in the system, and then McGovern, ABT, and uh, George were all in the system last year. So I think we'll be all right uh, with regards to building that continuity. That's going to be the main thing, right? How this offensive line is able to play together, how this offensive line is able to maneuver together, how this offensive line is going to be able to think together and that's going to be the big difference here because if the Jets want to protect their young quarterback if the Jets want to establish a consistent running game all right then they're going to have to get much better play from their O-line there were some positives there were streaks when the O-line played pretty good last year but there's been a lot of resources put into this offensive line and you're asking a young player to move from one side to the other side in Vera Tucker. Okay? So that can be a work in progress. Uh, hopefully, this old line will gel together the way that most people expect it to. And if that's the case, then this, this gives the Jets a much better opportunity to give their quarterback some leeway confidence that he has the time to go through his reads and get rid of the football okay hopefully so that's what you're looking for well we cannot talk a little football without talking about the top story of the day and that is Deshaun Watson now has a longer suspension yeah he is suspending he's being suspended 11 games and fined five million dollars before we hear from Deshaun Watson, let's hear from Stephen A. Smith, who weighed in on Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson should be very happy with that. Yeah. The fact of the matter is you could have got That's a whole lenient. year. You're not getting a year. Secondly, you know, you tried to make it so you get $46 million a year the last four years of your deal, and you only get $1.3 million the first year. The NFL said you tried to be slick with that, so it's only $5 million. That basically means you still keep $225 million of your money, plus there's a six-game stretch that you get to play for this upcoming yeah. season. I think considering all of the allegations that were thrown out there, all the things that have been said, that is fair. The NFL Players Association, any NFL himself, and even Deshaun Watson himself, you can put this behind you now. I think that's fair. I agree with Stephen A. I think the 11 games is a better look. The 11, the finding, find the $5 million is a better look. But I still want to see, in the interest of fair play, I still need to see the NFL find and discipline some of the owners for some of the things that they've done. I mean, you know, Robert Kraft did basically the same thing that Deshaun Watson did. He didn't get fined. He didn't get suspended. The draft choices were lost by New England for what he did. 
and we could do a whole show of what's going on with Daniel Snyder down in the nation's capital with Washington. Okay. So I think this sits better. It looks like more of a penalty. And so I like the idea that the 11 games, I think the 11 games feels right. I still thought there was a chance that he would be suspended for the season. But as Stephen A. mentioned, he got 11 games. And I think that was a lot to do with the NFL and the Players Association who felt that he shouldn't have gotten the full season uh, off. They shouldn't have been suspended the full season. Obviously, Deshaun Watson had comments. Here's his comment on missing 11 games with his new team. I mean, it's a tough situation, but at the end of the day, I have to continue to make sure that I'm around as much as possible as I can be. I mean, just continue to put in the work and let support the guys that's around and support this team. You know, I know these guys are going to do very, very well. We're all professionals. We're all here for, to do a job and accomplish a goal, and that's win games. And I know the guys in that locker room are going to do that. Deshaun Watson, do you still believe you did nothing wrong? Yeah, I'm moving. I'm moving on with my career and my life, and I'm continuing to stand on my innocence. Just because you know settlements and things like that happen doesn't mean that a person is guilty for anything. I feel like the person has the opportunity to stand on his innocence and prove that, and we prove that on the legal side, and we're just going to continue to push forward as an individual and as a person. And he says he knows who he is. I know who I am. I know what type of person I am. I know the character of person I was raised to be, and uh, I've always been. So that's the biggest thing for me is continue to show who Deshaun Watson really is and the people that meet me and that's around me that figure out who I really am too. All right, now here's what Adam Schefter had to say from getting some thoughts from some of the folks in the National Football League on the reaction to Deshaun Watson's suspension. I think both sides are giving up something here, which really is the idea of any settlement. I think the NFL would have liked not to have seen Deshaun Watson on the field at all this season. Deshaun Watson, again, last week expressed remorse for the first time and continued to feel like even the six-game suspension was unfair in his mind. And so both sides had entirely different opinions. And so rather then the NFL handing down a suspension while this was going on. Essentially, the two sides agree, rather than wait for a ruling from Peter C. Harvey, the designated officer in this case from Roger Goodell, and then if Peter Harvey had made his decision, which they could have taken the case to court, and there were arguments about how strong their case would or wouldn't be, but the fact of the matter is, while the NFL season would be going on, this court case would be going on. Is that what the NFL really wants? And so it was probably in the best interest of both sides to get this particular case settled no chef is right absolutely right you cannot have this hanging over you can't have a situation when the season's going on there's no ruling yet and then watson's playing and oh by the way now we got to pull him off the field for 11 games that's not, that's not what you want to do you want it done now you want it done here's here here's what's happening okay he's not getting six he's getting 11 that's the way it is yeah, I know people wanted him to be gone for the season. I thought he would be gone for the season. There's just so many. I'm just saying, there's 24 folks, and you settle. And I, I hear what he's saying. It doesn't mean that you did something wrong because you settle in a civil suit. But it doesn't mean that you're totally innocent either. And I, all I hope is that he learns from this situation and does not put himself in anything like this again. He really has to now focus on his career, 
turn his life around, make a donation to, you know, uh, uh, charitable organizations to make sure that you do see the remorse. And I think the remorse, finally, that's what people were waiting for. You know, kind of, well, I didn't do anything wrong and whatnot. Okay. But apparently it looks like you did do something wrong. Because you put yourself in the situation, you allowed yourself to be in the situation that was just, it was bad. There's no two ways about it. It was bad. Hopefully he can put this behind him and get on with his career and turn things around and we never hear anything bad about him again. Hopefully. 1-800-919-3776. When we return, we'll turn our attention to get the other side. We'll hear from our Jake Trotter who weighs in on what the Browns think about this suspension. And Mike Tannenbaum was on Bart and Han this afternoon and talked about how the NFL handled the Watson situation. And in about another 15 minutes or so, we'll take you around the league. Yeah, we'll hear from Buckshaw Walter and Aaron Boone on a couple of losses for both local baseball teams. All that's ahead before Freddie and Fitzsimmons take over at the top of the hour on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. All right, so we heard from Deshaun Watson on his revised suspension of 11 games and $5 million fine. Let's hear from Jake Trotter, who's on SportsCenter, about what the what the Browns are going to do now at quarterback. That's going to be a lot of Jacoby Brissett. This week was the first week that Brissett got the majority of reps with the first-team offense. Watson has been working some with the ones, mostly with the twos, but they're trying to ramp up Brissett because they knew at the very least that Deshaun Watson was going to be suspended uh, for those first six games. In the joint practice with the Eagles today, it's going to be a lot more of Jacoby Brissett. Watson will get some work, but right now, Jacoby Brissett is the starter for the Browns going forward. And what was the Browns organization's reaction to the settlement, Jake? Relief. I mean, this has been hanging over the franchise for months and really throughout training camp and not just front office people, but players. You talk to players and they were ready for this to be over with. Coaches were ready for this to be over with. Obviously, they would like to have Deshaun Watson on the field for an entire season because he makes their team better. But at least they know what they have to go with going forward because uncertainty has enveloped this team for weeks and months now. So it's going to be Jacoby Brissett. I wouldn't be surprised if the Browns had some conversations about some other quarterback options right now that we know Deshaun Watson's going to be out for 11 games. Jimmy Garoppolo would be the name to watch. But I can also tell you that they have been impressed with what they've seen from Brissett so far in training camp. Stefanski told me the other day he'd be very comfortable going with Brissett for an entire season. And right now, I think that is the plan, although I, I wouldn't be surprised if there were more conversations about the different options now that the Browns know. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm ready to say Jacoby Brissett for the whole season. I, I don't know. Um but once again, if you're the Browns, do you really want to try to get a, a Jimmy G when you're paying Deshaun Watson all that money? You know, I don't know that that's the, the way you want to go. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, Mike Tannenbaum was on Barton Hahn, and he weighed in on how the NFL handled the Watson situation. I know that how much the league values the relationship with the Players Association, and I'm sure if they had their druthers, Judge Robinson, who's the new third party, mutually agreed upon uh, head of player discipline arbiter, I'm sure they did not want to in the very first case, guys want to overrule her. But I think because of the facts of this case, I don't think they had a choice. And I think there's a sense of validation today from their standpoint that you go from six games to 11 and $5 million. That's a very substantial increase in discipline. Yeah, it is. And I think, uh, you know, that 
the NFL had to do something. Okay, it was a bad look for them. But once again, as I said, they need to rein in some of their owners because their owners are doing, you know, some things that uh, they need to handle. And I get that, you know, the commissioner works for them, but that doesn't make it right. You can't just pick on the players. You can't just be a one-sided, you know, uh, discipline. If it's wrong, it's wrong for everybody. Buddha's in the Bronx. Hey, Buddha, you're next on 98.7. Hey, Uncle, what's going on, big bro? What's happening, partner? Hey, listen, it's got a little Yankees and a little football, you mm-hmm. know, for you. Um, you know, first of all, the Yankees, I mean, I don't know where Bruce is at. I haven't heard him in a I, minute. I was I thinking about right. him. I was thinking about him the other day. Yeah, I hope man. he's all right, too. I haven't heard from him in a long yeah. time. That, that, this is unlike him to not call in about what's going on here. Yep. You know, um, you know, not only the Yankees, like you said, they had to get Castillo, um, you know, because nobody has faith in Cole. You know, in a big spot, I, I, I would have Castillo. I have more faith in Castillo than I would have in Cole, as yeah. most people would. But uh, mm-hmm. they also needed, like, when, when the Soto thing became evident that they weren't going to get him, they needed to pivot and they needed to get Otani because, you know, he killed two birds with one stone. I mean, you see what's going on with these bats right now. And, um, you know, that that was a big miss. You know, uh, you know, Brian Cashman was smug, you know, uh, you know, what's up. You know, he's low-hanging fruit. I mean, I never really cared for him too much. You know, I always felt like he rode off of Stick Michael and Bob Watson's coattails, mm. to be quite honest with you. But, um, you know, it's, 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 like I said, he's low-hanging fruit, though. I mean, you know, it's, it's still, for me, it's always going to begin and end with Hal because he wants to be so different from his dad. I mean, sometimes, you know, when you have a son, you know, they, they, they want to be the contrarian to you. And they don't really appreciate some of the, you know, you take bits and pieces of both parents, you know, you know I don't know, man. I just feel like he just doesn't put the the, 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 the finger on the press button, you know, for certain mm-hmm. things. And, and they're trying to do everything totally different. And, uh, you know, we keep waiting year after year for them to realize that their plan is not working, but they're not, they're not doing it. Um, Listen to that cut that you had with Salah. It was funny when he mentioned the wide receivers. <laughs> the last two names he mentioned were Mims and Davis. <laughs> that tells you a lot right there. <laughs> the artist saying something without saying it. I mean, one of them won't be on the team, uh, possibly two of them, because yeah. uh, like Garrett Wilson, these other guys, these young guys, they're, they're ready to play. You're going to see, I don't, is, is Flacco starting in this um, preseason game coming up? Yes, I would. Yes, he's going to start. Let, let, you watch and see how productive these wide receivers are going to be in that first quarter. Just, just, just mark my words. You watch and see. And, uh, you know, the whole point is Wilson, he was a young pup. He shouldn't be saying what he said, but similar to like where Rex Ryan was talking about the defense, uh, what he said had some merit about, you know, the way the passes were being mm-hmm. delivered, placed, or whatever. But, um, you know, with the Watson thing, uh, you know, Watson, uh, they gave him the 11 games. You know, everything is decided now. You know, with the with the Browns, they actually don't have a, a bad schedule. I mean, their division is tough, and um, they could actually get a really good start. So if they do get Garoppolo, let's say they get Garoppolo, right? Mm-hmm. And at the 11th game, let's say they're like seven and three or six and four. You know, how do you pull Garoppolo from starting and put Watson back on the field, like? When you're in the middle of the playoff hunt, he's going to be rusty as you know what. Mm-hmm. And then also, I mean, you know, there's going to be people in that locker room that that's going to fragment that locker room. It is. I think the Browns, in a lot of ways, they bit off a little bit more they could chew. I thought that they, I think that they thought they were going to get away with um, just having this blow over, 
and um, stuff like that. You know, whatever side you're on, you believe them, you don't believe them, you, you know, whatever side, because I'm not even trying to get into that part of it. You, you, you know, you have to think in these days and times that it's just not going to go that smoothly like you want it. You, you know what I mean? I do. You, you, I do. you have to think that. Come on. I mean, it's almost, you know what? It's almost the Browns would probably prefer that he not be there the whole season. Buddha, they don't they don't care about the eleven games. Thanks for the phone call. They would probably rather him say, Okay, he's gone for the year. He's not around. We don't have him. Okay, so if you go out and you get a Garoppolo, okay, then you know you got him for that year. You don't have to worry about what happens, about pulling him, what happens when he comes back. You know, he's not coming back. <laughs> we have to worry about it. We don't have to worry about it. He's not coming back. So it's almost like that that's how you almost feel they looked at it which is part of the reason why I felt they always signed him for a million dollars this year. Because they didn't expect that he was going to play. Because the NFL had made it clear that they wanted him suspended for the year. And that's what they thought was going to happen. And yes, they had a, you know, a, a little negotiation with the Players Association and everything. And obviously, the other thing that helped him not get suspended for a year was the fact that it wasn't deemed a criminal case. Okay. So it turned out to be just a civil case. So that took some of the steam away for saying a year. And plus, if you're the NFL, well, listen, we tried to get a year. We wanted a year. We said from the beginning, we wanted a year. We said from the beginning, it should have been a year. It was six. It was six games. We went back. We negotiated. At least we got 11. Okay, we did the best we could. We tried. We tried. You saw we tried. We, we won the 16. We, we won the 17 games. We won the 17. We won the whole year. We tried. We tried. But at least we got 11. We did what we could. That's what they're saying. But for now, it's over. But uh, we'll see what happens when he gets back on the field and how he's going to handle that type of negativity. So the first game he'll be eligible to play is week 13 <laughs> on December 4th at Houston against the Texans. You can't make it up. When we return, we'll take you to the ballpark to hear from Aaron Boone and Buckshaw Walter and others next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. to the ballparks on ESPN New York tonight. That's where we take you to where the Mets and Yankees perform and we hear from managers and players or sometimes just the managers. Let's begin down in Hotlanta. That's where the Mets were trying to get a split and we thought they were going to have pretty good chance to get a split with Jacob deGrom on the mound who has been in the word outstanding since his return. But it was not the case as the Mets lose 3-2 to Atlanta Atlanta now trailing the Mets by three and a half games in the National League East. The reason? Max Fried, one of the best lefties in baseball, matched DeGrom strike for strike and score for score until the Braves were able to get that third run. Here's Jacob DeGrom on, I'm sorry, here's Buck Showalter on Max Fried. He's got a lot of weapons. Curveball was was really uh, something he could go to about any time he wanted to, and a lot of change-ups and, you know, change some patterns. 
Uh, he's hard to, to get into a pattern when he's carrying all his pitches. If you can box one out and he doesn't have command of it, it's, it's a lot easier. It's the reason why he's got the numbers that he does. And you can tell he had, what, he had 11 days rest. So, you know, I feel good that he's, you know, he's healthy and didn't have any problems with the concussion. But uh, wish he'd wait another day. <laughs> Max Fried, seven innings, four hits, two runs earned, six strikeouts, 93 pitches, 62 for strikes. He has a 2.60 ERA, the only two runs he gave up, the two-run home run from Mark Canna. Jacob DeGrom did not pitch badly. He really didn't. He was uh, just not Jacob DeGrom. Six and two-thirds innings, five hits, three runs, earned nine strikeouts, 95 pitches, 68 for strikes, a 2.31 ERA, and he's just disappointed there's no W. Definitely disappointing. I wanted to come in here and win all four games, but, uh, you know, once they won a couple, then the goal was for the split, and we weren't able to get it. So disappointed with it, but we got to go play tomorrow. So, um, you know, you got to flush it and, and get ready for tomorrow. All right, and that, of course, is a four-game weekend series down in the city of brotherly love against the Phillies, doubleheader on Saturday. But let's still talk about this one. Brandon Nemo was involved on the winning run because that run, Grissom scored from first base on a single up the middle. Brandon Nemo, what happened? So um, I knew that before the pitch he was going 3-2, two outs, and uh, that ball, uh, you know, found its way through, um, and by the time it got to me, you know, it was... um, you know, was barely rolling, so I knew that uh, there was probably going to be a play at the plate. So I didn't even look up at him. I knew I was going for um, right, right when I got the ball. All right. So now take us through that again because it looked like you slowed down at first before you charged the baseball. I'm playing in the complete other gap um, for Harris and coming all the way over behind second base, and so. Like I said, that ball is barely rolling by the time it gets to me. The last thing I want to do is do what Gross, Grossman did last, yes, yesterday and miss it and then give him, give him the extra base or home without a play. So, um, so yeah, right there I'm making sure that I field the ball um, and then just let it, let it rip towards home plate. And, you know, as an outfielder, we're taught to keep the ball low. So you normally what happens when you practice is what happens when you're in, in the game. And so, um, you know, it went to rough, and then we were a little bit late. The only thing I, w- I wish I would have done maybe is just let it rip to home plate and, and uh, throw it. But like I said, I didn't even look at the runner. I was just trying to get the ball to home plate. You always train to hit the cutoff, man. I think that was the way to go. Uh, it was just one of those plays. It happened on the 3-2 pitch. If it's not a 3-2 pitch and the run is not running, he doesn't score in that spot. It's just one of those things. So the bottom line, the Mets lose three or four to Atlanta. They now lead Atlanta by three and a half. Mets have Philly this weekend, but Atlanta has Houston. Boy, you thought after last night with the home run situation by Uh, You know, the Yankees with the grand slam, you just knew, you just knew it was going to carry over tonight. Donaldson's grand slam, oh, man, now the Yankees are ready to roll. Uh, No, not so much. Yankees lose 9-2. Frankie Montas, eh, six innings, eight hits, six earned runs, one walk, 
two strikeouts, one home run. A couple of notes on Frankie. His six earned runs tied this season high. He also gave up six earlier this month at St. Louis. His eight hits matched his second most allowed in the start this season. He gave up 10 in June against Kansas City and eight on the 11th of June against Cleveland. And one more that uh, my good friend Harvey Cruz gave me, and that is, get this, Montas has allowed five or more runs nine times with the A's, twice already with the Yankees. So Aaron Boone, obviously the question is, <laughs> what are you seeing from Montas? I think he just missed in the center of the plate with some with some heaters that got him in, in trouble. Um, you know, obviously Springer hurt him. Um, you know, missed with the, the pitch to Chapman. Um, and then the inning where they, you know, hung the five spot on out there. Um, you know, he walks Merrifield. Springer, I thought he made a good pitch on him. You know, but Springer did a pretty good job with two strikes there, just getting enough of it to dump it in there. And then, a, you know, looked like a center cut fastball that he missed with Vladdy, and, and that's kind of, you know, wrecked the outing there with a three-run homer. But just some, some fastballs in the center of the plate. looked like he hung a, hung a split to uh, Teoscar. So maybe just not quite the put away, you know, with the split fastball combo that he's had. All right, so are you concerned with his command? Um, no, I, I think I think physically he's in a good spot. Um, you know, I think you know going back to last last start, I thought he threw the ball well. Actually, in in parts of today, I thought he threw the ball really well. You know, he just got hurt in the center of the plate a little bit, and maybe not you know quite the real good split that we saw last in Boston, where he really you know had that dive in down and out of the zone how he wanted to left a couple of those up. So no, I think it's just a matter of some mistakes against a good hitting team that made him pay. All right, so the command, some of the things you're talking about that you saw from Montas in Boston that he doesn't have, didn't have tonight, is that because he pitched at the stadium for the first time? I mean, he hasn't struck me that way at all since since he's gotten here. Um, you know, even in, even going into St. Louis, he didn't seem, um, it, you know, as as tough as tough and weird a situation that was coming in the night before and pitching the day game. You know, I, to me, I haven't seen any of those you know, jitters or wanting to, it doesn't seem that way to me, um, you know, but, you know, we got to go start getting results, obviously. Yeah, there's no question. He's got to step up when he performs. Uh, he is right now your number two starter. Okay, well, really number three because Cortez is really number two the way he's pitched. But you traded for him to be that guy that, you know, could possibly get a start in the postseason with him, Severino. You don't know what he's going to be when he gets back. Are you going to use him out of the bullpen as he's been used before because of injury? I mean, at this point, I don't think – I think you have to consider – if Montas doesn't get any better, you have to consider using Severino as a starter and maybe just have people ready to go out of that bullpen to help him out. Maybe he goes five and then you go to the pen. I don't think you could – right now – you can't say Montas is going to be your number three starter in the postseason. No way. No way. Yankees now nine games ahead of both Tampa and Toronto as both teams won tonight. So Aaron Boone with this slide that continues and it's just gets, it just gets worse and worse. Okay, because when you look at the Yankees now and you told it up, 
What have they done? They've lost seven of their last nine since August 9th, 13 of their last 17 since July 31st. So are you a little concerned about this lead and losing it in the AL East? I don't know about worry. Like, I worry about everything. <laughs> I apologize for being so, specific. Worried about the lead in the division because you had such a big lead. No, it's, it's, this is about us playing well. If we play well, that takes care of itself. Um, you know, obviously, we haven't played well enough in the last 10 days. Um, so I think it's more just a rough patch of us not playing well. We have to play better. Uh, but I don't sit there and, you know, think about this lead. Or It's about us handling our business. If we do that and play the game we're capable of playing the rest of the way, we'll be in good shape. But we got to do that. Uh, yes, he's thinking about the lead. Yes, he's thinking about not only the, he may not be thinking that much about the AL East lead, but he's definitely keeping an eye on what Houston's doing. Because if the Yankees right the ship, and I think they will offensively, if they right the ship, uh, and ultimately they get things together and they expect to face Houston, they're the one to face Houston in Houston. They want to have the home field here. Kay has said it. Uh, people who follow baseball, our colleagues, our insiders have said it. If the Yankees just don't play the same way in Houston that they do at home. And really this year, they've struggled against Houston even at home. So you really don't want to play them in Houston. And once again, I get it. Larry, I'm sure Yankee fans are like, we're hoping that we hold on to the division at this point, the way this team is playing, because they look so bad. So we're not even thinking about Houston. Yeah, but... You know, listen, the manager's thinking about Houston. The manager's thinking about everything at this point. And the other thing he's thinking about is how can I shake up this lineup tomorrow to see that I get some runs scored because I can't continue to rely on my pitching staff to hope to keep things, keep games close the way they have been. And then to see what happened when my guy who just came in who's supposed to be a savior to my pitching staff as a starter has bombed the way he has. So there's a lot on Aaron Boone's mind. That's our look around the ballparks with our local teams. We do it every night on ESPN New York Tonight here on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.